This is the Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. Hello, Rebels, and welcome to episode 57 of the Rebel Author Podcast. This week, I'm super excited for my guest. I'm talking to a all-round superwoman, an entrepreneur, and an inspiration to me personally, Janet Murray. That crackle by me, that is the cat playing with a conker. Anyway, this week, we will be going through tips and tricks to boost your content marketing and grow your audience. But first, to last week's question. Last week, I asked, how do you set, manage, track, and record your writing goals? Jeff Elkins said, for managing and tracking goals, I use spreadsheets. I like to spend hours setting them up so they are super complicated and track a massive amount of data. I get really excited for how amazing they will be for plotting my growth as a writer, and then forget about them and never actually put any data in them. Let them go to waste and start a new one. That is hilarious. I um, I also get very excited by spreadsheets because I am not a spreadsheet person. And so when I know somebody who is like amazing with them, like my friend Chris is really, really good with um, uh, spreadsheets. She's She managed to sort out my finance spreadsheet and I'm like super excited and impressed, but I could just not create them I cannot I can just about manage to get them to function so this did make me giggle Kerry Hardisky said I have my happy planner for goal setting I have quarterly goals that I break down into monthly and weekly goals so I can better see what I need to focus on with limited writing time Julie Westerfeld said, I use a good old spreadsheet. I personalize it with pictures and cute elements. I complement it with, um, uh, which I use for my daily goals. Uh, I like the RPG style setting. Michael Nasbag said, I keep a year, a, a running yearly goal for writing, which allows me to break it down into bi-monthly chunks. So by February, I know whether I'm ahead or behind and then the same in April and so on. The problem is I don't manage them that well, leading to situations where at the end of the year, I'm crunching hard to try and meet the yearly goal. Although so far it has worked out. For tracking and recording, I keep a running list of what I do each day. In the before times, I used to post it in uh, public on an office whiteboard so people there could, uh, could hold me accountable. More recently, I started keeping track of the dates of when I finish individual chapters so that I can see, oh, well, I did this many this week or that many that month. Erin McKnight said, as a goal-obsessed person, this episode speaks to me in so many ways. True to my obsessive nature, I have a yearly, quarterly, monthly, and weekly goals. Oh my goodness. The goals for the year are put on my vision board where I can see them first thing in the morning. Weekly and monthly goals are built off of that and then uh, put next to my weekly planner on my fridge. The weekly planner is a magnetic dry erase organizer that allows me to set three main goals for the week and smaller daily goals slash reminders as needed. I know this sounds like a lot, but it actually helps ease my anxiety because it gets it all out of my head and onto the page. I definitely understand the concept of anxiety from busy head. I definitely get a very very busy head at times particularly when I'm overwhelmed um unfortunately I haven't quite found a mechanism for that so I like I will write things down um I really enjoy the action of hand writing them down as well especially when I do have busy head but um 
what tends to happen is I then see a massive list and get even more overwhelmed. So it's not actually working for me. So I will find a solution at some point. Oh, sorry, that was my cat scratching my bookcase behind me. Uh, yeah, sorry, she's in here. I probably shouldn't have allowed her in here whilst I'm recording. Note to self, Sasha, don't let the cat in. All right, this week's question is, do you want to content market? Why or why not? Book recommendation this week is The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Now, I read this book forever ago. I may even have recommended it once before, but I'm recommending it again, and here's why. I it up this morning because I felt like I needed a mental kick up the butt. Um, I'm fine, <laughs> but with all of these creative journeys that we go on, we all have highs and lows, and um, it's been a tough couple of weeks, and I just need a bit of a mental kick, and The War of Art really does that. I know it won't speak to everybody, because we all have different, um, you know, ways we need to be coached or mentored, uh, but The War of Art is a pretty... <laughs> hard slap on the butt uh in terms of a of that kind of uh, mental support it's it pulls no punches you know it 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 it's not going to mollycoddle or cotton wool you so if you like those kinds of um you know uh, books mindset books then i highly highly recommend the war of art i am almost giddy with excitement uh, to reread it and i don't reread books so yeah i am going to be having a quick skim of that uh, later on today uh, to hopefully give me that kick up the butt that i need all right so into my personal update one thing i wanted to ask you guys is would you mind leaving a review for the show i noticed that there are a few re reviews on there already uh, but of course more reviews helps uh, the alg tickle the algos uh, and and help the show get seen uh, by more people so yeah if you have a moment please leave a review um, and i'd really appreciate that all right, so my senses course launch has gone really well. I'm really pleased. Thank you very much, everybody. It will be going up to full price uh, at the end of the month. So you've got about a week left to grab it at just $99. Uh, and then it's going to go up to $129. Um, and yeah, if you want more information, I will leave a link in the show notes to the course. And I am planning my second course now. I, I was going to look at description, but I think because I've been asked quite a few times, I might look at a um, self-publishing uh, basics type course. So yeah, if you have a preference, let me know because it might swing uh, me one way or another to uh, deciding which one to do. Uh, also, don't forget that the story bundle, uh, the NaNoWriMo story bundle is still live. There's still time to grab it before uh, NaNo starts. It is chock full of 17 books and a course, all for just $20. You can get both my hero and my villains book. You can get books from Joanna Penn, from Honoré Corda, from Brian D. Meeks, from Kevin J. Anderson, Andrea Pearson. So you've got some absolutely enormous names in there stacks of books on business craft um yeah audio all kinds of stuff everything that you could possibly want it's in there so you should probably go check it out next up i am speaking at janet murray's conference hashtag 2021 sorted she is on the show today we do talk about it there is a bit more information uh, as we go but of course i am leaving a link in the show notes 
So in a personal news then, it's been a tough week. I, I kind of alluded to that um, earlier. I've had a lot of overwhelm. I've had a lot of fuzzy head, which also Erin um, mentioned um, earlier. Um, and yeah, so fuzzy head, <laughs> overwhelm, great stuff. Uh, but a lot's been going on and I've been doing a lot of like speaking and freelance uh, things that are awesome. I absolutely adore speaking. Um, but also, you know, like I adore words and I haven't written a word in a month. So whilst I do love that kind of work, um, I, I definitely feel like I need balance. Um, and quite often with these things, it does come in all at once. So I'm really feeling the need to get back to my own work at the moment. I'm trying to create some kind of plan or course of action for like the last bit of this year and also next year. I think I have finally decided that I am going to do NaNoWriMo. I'm not uh, doing an official must get 50,000 words. Um, instead, I'm sort of breaking it down into two parts. So I'll be editing because I have two books that need editing, the, the third one in and fourth one in my Young Adult Fantasy series, uh, Trey and Sirens. And then I'm going to start drafting the next non-fiction book, which is tentatively called 11 Steps to Side Characters, How to Craft Supporting Roles with Intention, Purpose and Power. So that's what I'm going to be working on in November. And um, and I guess in the in-between times, I am going to be looking at uh, the next course as well. Like I said, it will either be like something like description or it's going to be self-publishing basics. So yes, if you do have a reference, please let me know. Um, yeah, I think that's probably about it this week. Um, I haven't... Yeah, I, that's it. I'm going to stop there. I'm going to move on. Okay. Rebel of the week this week is Thomas Dukeman. Thomas said, it was in third grade and I believe I forgot the name of the teacher. But what I do recall was that she had this jar of M&Ms on her desk and we had a rotating class. So maybe one of the teachers would be for math, another one would be for reading, etc. This one was for the class at the end of the day and she was so mean. So we decided to mess with her. We being me and my friend Mikey. We stayed back behind one day and she had this rule that no one was ever allowed to touch her jar of candy. So we planned a daring heist that day. We were pretty close to success when we got busted, me and him were just shoveling them down our mouths until one of the teacher's pets came in to check on us and caught us. We were in so much trouble for so long after that, uh, but I still remember how mad she got at us and it was so worth it. I love that. I love that it was sweetie orientated as well. I love, I mean, I'm like a total chocolate fiend. So yeah, that definitely calls to my heart. <laughs> If you would like to be a rebel of the week, then please do send in your story. It can be any kind of rebellion, big, small, or somewhere in between. You can rebel, you can rebel your email story. <laughs> you can email your rebel story to rebelauthorpodcast at gmail.com or tweet me at rebelauthorpod. One new patron this week, welcome and a huge thank you to Janita Kay. And likewise, a huge thank you to all my old and new patrons alike. You guys definitely help to keep the podcast running and you also crack the call off of my cold dead heart. So thank you so much, uh, everybody, for the support. If you would like to support the show and get early access to all of the episodes, as well as bonus content, then you can from as little as $2 a month by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. This episode is sponsored by Kobo Writing Life, so I will play a word from the sponsor and then we'll get on with the show. 
Stephanie. And I'm Tara. And we're from Kobo Writing Life. Kobo's free, fast and easy self-publishing platform. KWL is built by authors for authors. And our team of dedicated book lovers is always working hard to help authors reach new readers around the world. We wanted to tell you a little about Kobo's global reach. From our home base here in Toronto, we work hard to keep customers reading all over the world. And as a KWL author, you're doing your part too. Here are some tips that can help your books stand out globally. At Kobo Writing Life, you can set the price in 16 currencies. When you're pricing your book, you should consider how your prices are being shown globally in our store. Is your $5.99 USD price showing as $4.69 in British pounds? Chances are an offered price will likely dissuade the purchase of your book. Make sure you are manually setting the price in all currencies. Speaking of all the worldly currencies, you can also set price promotions with KWL that are currency specific. Want to honor Canada Day with a promotion? You can do that in Canadian dollars and leave your other prices just as they are. And we haven't even mentioned all the partner stores Kobo has around the world. Did you know that you can target your marketing to our partners directly? If you want to learn more about this or any aspects of KWL, check out the Kobo Writing Life podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts and find us on social. You can create your free account today at kobo.com slash writinglife. We hope to see your books on Kobo very soon. Happy writing. Hello and welcome to the Rebel Author Podcast. This week, I am super excited for my guest. I am joined by Janet Murray. Janet is one of the UK's leading content marketing experts and specialises in audience growth. She is the creator of the Social Media Diary and Planner, an A4 desk diary that helps coaches, creatives and entrepreneurs plan and create content that helps them grow their audience and generate leads and sales for their business. She is also the founder of 2021 Sorted and the Build Your Online Audience program, the only online membership program exclusively dedicated to audience growth. Janet is also a podcaster, a podcast that I've been binging recently. Uh, She's an author and speaker who has spoken all over the world about content marketing and audience growth. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. No, thank you for coming on. Like I am, I'm always a little bit giddy with excitement because (laughs) um, I have literally had you in my ears for like the last two weeks uh, and binge listening all of your podcasts, which and uh, it's it's a a podcast that I hugely recommend because unlike... no offense to a lot of podcasters but your podcast has so many tangible takeaways and I think that's one of the things that I love about it most is that you like you can actually write as I have been doing writing down a list of actions like at the end of every single podcast to go away and do so yeah thank you for putting that out into the world um so tell everyone a little bit more about you and your writing journey and how you got to where you are today so it's been a bit of a journey. So um, I actually started off as a, a school teacher. So when I left university, I, uh, I I wanted to be a journalist, actually. And somebody told me that at school that um, only people who've been to Oxford and Cambridge and have connections can write for national newspapers. And, you know, I believed it. And, and I, you know, I felt like because I, you know, I was like the first person in my family to to kind of finish school never mind to go to university and I felt like oh oh well maybe I'll just be a teacher because that feels like a safe safe thing to do and actually I really enjoyed it I really liked it um but I was pretty pretty burnt out by the time I was about 26 because um anyone who says teachers have an easy life um they don't it's really tough and you work really really long hours if you're if you're doing a good job you know try to do a good job and so 
by the time I was about 25, 26, I was just, oh, do you know, I've had enough of this. I'm just working like all the time. I still work all the time, but I, yeah. you know, at least it's, it's my different thing. Though. I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I, I went off and, and I retrained in journalism. So I went to um, the London College of Printing um, to do a, like a journalism diploma. And me being me, this is a theme that will probably emerge right through this interview. I, I Everyone else was going off to get jobs on magazines and newspapers. And so I... I did some work experience at Mother Mother and Baby magazine and they kind of talked to me about this job that they had coming up and I thought but that means I need to come into an office like every day and 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 the thing that I, I like to teach teaching is quite good because it's quite quite varied and you know every day is different and the kids do funny things which kind of a secondary school teacher as a teenager is obviously quite quite challenging but um the thought of just going into an office the same and sitting with the same people I just couldn't see my way to do it so I decided I would be freelance so I started selling and actually started selling my work contrary to being told that it was not possible to get into nationals you know unless you had all these connections I did it while I was on my course because I was so determined to do it I got published in the nationals and so then I just freelanced for um national uh so yeah it was mainly national newspapers and magazines um so I, I ended up writing pretty much exclusively for the Guardian by the end and I was also like the standing editor for um, the education editor which was was good but so sometimes I did have to go into the office for a few weeks at a time which is quite <laughs> hard for me um, but um, so yeah I basically sold sold uh, words to to newspapers for, for years on end and enjoyed that but I got to the point where I started to feel um, so it's a bit bored and you know, it would be my dream. You know, if somebody says, "Oh, we could write for the Guardian," or whatever, that would be my dream. But then I realised it was like a kind of sausage sausage factory because I'd get my brief and then I'd have to like, I'd do the research, I'd do the interviews, I would, um, you know, uh, put the whole thing together, and then I'd start something else and something else. And I started just to feel a bit, just a bit bored with it, really. And um, this thing that I'd always wanted to do. So quite by accident and also journalism contrary to popular belief it's not particularly well paid so it, it was okay but um I started to pick up people started to approach me because I was a specialist which we might get onto later I, I ended up specializing in education which is not what I wanted to do but uh people love specialists so I specialized in education and politics and so people would approach me and they started saying could you come into our our company and show us how to pitch to journalists because you know we're, we're trying to pitch our press releases and we're trying to get in and we're just not getting anywhere so I started doing that and started speaking and that was obviously much better work better paid than journalism um so I started to think you know how can I get more of these lucrative copywriting gigs uh, or these you know training gigs but rather than just coming randomly by people that I know like how about if people could find me like how could I do that so I started this blog and I just started blogging about stuff that people ask me all the time so at the time what people asked me was how do I get um how do I pitch to a, a newspaper journalist like how do I what do I write in my pitch how to write a press release I hate press releases but that's a whole whole other whole other <laughs> thing but um how, how do I write a press release but that's what people were searching for so I started doing this blog and then people started to kind of like it and said oh actually I use that that was really useful so I started to think okay well how do I get people, more people to read this blog? Like, how do I get people to write it in Google? So I started to learn about things like SEO, uh, search engine optimization. And then I started to get interested. In, then I was thinking, okay, well, once I get into my site, how do I keep in touch with them? So I started to learn about email marketing. And then I just got really kind of interested in this whole area to the point where my journalism almost became a bit like it was a bit like it was a bit of an inconvenience that I had to do. And because and, and, I was so much, I was so, I was so interested in, 
just in the whole thing and in, in marketing, I was interested in content, but creating content, you know, in a different sort of way. So I kind of fell into that. And then I just got to the stage where I was just like, oh, I wonder if I could do this all the time. And I started to see that other people were selling online courses and memberships. And I was like, oh, I wonder if I could do that as well. And so that sort of took me into from from being like a sort of it being a sort of side hustle to I got to the point where I turned it into a into a, a sort of full time thing. All the time, though, I didn't want to be teaching about press and PR because if, if you know anything about journalism, you know, journalists, journalists and PR people kind of like hate each other. And there's a whole sort of, there's a whole sort of thing that it's, it's seen as going over to the dark side, going into PR. And, um, and I, I just wasn't really that kind of interest, interested. I got the joy out of creating the content and working out how to get people to engage with my content. I wasn't so interested in teaching people about press, but I wrote a book about it. So I wrote a book called Your Press Release is Breaking My Heart. Um, and um, I love that. That's <laughs> such a rebel thing to do, to write a book about a thing that you hate. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> and um, I remember everybody said like, oh, no one will buy a book on that. And, and it was basically just tips on how to get, get you know press coverage. And that's a silly title for, for a book. But actually, it, it made it much more memorable. Um, so I self-published it. I just like took a load basically I took a load of blog posts that I'd already written I worked out where the gaps were worked out a couple of blog posts that I hadn't written you know did the I think I did it in 30 days or something like that and so that was good having that book that's non-fiction book was a um it's like a business card so I, I wouldn't say I've made loads of money out of it people still buy it people someone bought one yesterday even though it's not not what I specialize in now but it was a great business card it got me lots of um speaking gigs and helped me to raise my profile and then I just kind of thought, this is not really what I want to be doing, because what really struck me um, was, this is probably rebellious as well, it's like, um, that I started not to believe in like PR anymore and sort of traditional PR, because, because I, I would help people to get press coverage in The Guardian or The Huffington Post or whatever it was that they really wanted to do. But then it wouldn't get them the outcome that they wanted. Like they had a business and they wanted to get more sales or they wanted to sell more books or they wanted to sell more whatever it was. And they'd be like, oh, that was great to show my mum, but it didn't actually really get me the outcome that I, I wanted. Mm -hmm. And I hate not feeling like I'm getting people the results that they want. And I could see what was happening with my own content. I, I was not very really interested in getting press contract. Uh, coverage because I could see that actually the content I was creating on my own site, the user generated content was actually helping me achieve my goals it was helping me build my own audience it was helping me to get speaking gigs it was helping me to make money so why did I need to worry about this press stuff so I started to feel a bit sort of disingenuous in a way because I could see that actually your own content that you create on your own site could be far more powerful than anything that you could get on the you know the guardian and, and whatever so so I started to sort of move pivot and move into helping people with um sort of content marketing and that's kind of brought me to where I am today. It's quite a long, long explanation, but it's kind of brought me where I am today. Where so now I help people with audience growth, basically. So, so people, I just kept hearing this phrase all the time. People kept saying, "Oh, I want to do that, but I need to build my audience. I want to do that, but I need to build my audience, build my audience." And it's funny because it's not really a term that it's not a thing really. I'm hoping that I'm going to be able to make it a thing, but it's not really a thing, is it? Building your audience, but everybody says it all the time. And so I created a program called Build Your Online Audience. It's about um, getting more followers, getting more subscribers, more fans. Um, but with a, it's not about just doing it for vanity. It's about you know to help you achieve your your goal. Um, and then I published this um, quite by accident. I published this social media diary and planner, and that that kind of 
sort of led me down a whole other path of content planning and creation which is ironic because I'm probably not the best planner <laughs> at all I'm quite strategic but I'm I'm very strategic but I'm not I'm not like the most organized person in the world and um so yeah so that kind of led me to where I am am today um so helping people build audiences helping people with content because that's how you build your audiences you create great content and that's pretty much led me to where I am today so oh my gosh there's so many things that I want to uh, come back on uh the, the strategy thing have you heard of the Clifton strengths or Gallup strengths um, I've heard of it. I think so, I've probably done it at some point. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, my background is in psychology, and uh, I, this is a whole new, like, it's a bit like Myers Briggs, except better. Um, and I'm obsessed with it. And one of my top, I think it's my number three, is strategic. But the strategy comes out in people in different ways. So there are some people that will plan, you know, a 10 year plan, a five year plan. And then there are other strategic types who are very intuitive. And so you know all of the things and you have the plan, but it's all in like your head and you feel your way and you do the analysis, but it like changes as you go. And I'm very much, I'm slightly more on the intuitive side as well, even though I've brought your content planner, but that's because even looking at it will help me structure things in my brain for next year so um yeah I, I completely get that and I also love the whole um thing that you were talking about in terms of the office and like not being able to work in the office I only I've only ever had one job that was in an office uh all my other jobs have been weird like unusual type um type roles I was like the president my shoot union so I had this one job and I was just miserable for the whole eight years that I was there and the hot like I would say for like seven and a half of those years I was working towards leaving to work work for myself so like I definitely understand I just I just couldn't do it everybody is annoying <laughs> <laughs> yeah I just hate offices like offices make me I remember be, I did a two-week stint at the Guardian and I met a friend of mine just like after this right at the end of this two-week stint and he said to me you just look like all the life has been sucked out of you is that what's happened to me coming to this like place every morning and like the Guardian's lovely like Guardian's got like this it's a really nice building it's got a really nice canteen it's like people are really nice but it's just I felt like I'm in prison like having to and having to pass and and having to kind of and people talk and I just can concentrate because people are just talking all the time and and asking you stuff and yeah it's just my idea of a nightmare going to an office it's funny that you say it. I feel that on such a deep level because um I have a photo and I have shared this photo um I shared it on the I quit my job post um and I took a photo on the day where I was like lowest like the, my job really ground me into the to the ground and I was very close to having a nervous breakdown and um I always talk about the day that I stood in a tree <laughs> in the middle of winter crying whilst it was raining and I took this photo on that day to never allow myself to go back to that place but I shared it and it's such a like it's such a powerful photo because I truly look like there is no life left inside of me. And I really think that, and, you know, some people love working in the office and I've still got some lovely friends from where I used to work, but it's just for, I think for creatives or people who are entrepreneurs or people who just don't think in the same way that you need to think to be in a corporate role, it literally does suck the mm. life out of you. But just, um, just to give you give you an example, this is to do my head in. So the Guardian, they, they work, like, sorry to anyone who might be listening who worked, but they, they work from 10.30 to, to 6.30. Um, and so it, I remember it being like Easter or something. And it was just like, why don't we come in at eight o'clock and then we can go home at four? Like, because I'm an early bird. I'm like, why don't we come in early? We can go home. I'm like, oh no, no, we start at 10.30. And then it wasn't just starting at 10.30. It was like 
by the time everyone came in and caught up about their day, it would be 11 o'clock or whatever. And, and I'd just be like, I'd just be mad because I'd be like, I get up really early and I can get so much done in the morning. I'd be like, for me, it's 11 o'clock and everyone's just starting and like, it feels like tomorrow, like, why can't we know? But that's the, it's the, it's that kind of thing. It's just like, We've rules that are ridiculous yeah. yes yeah. yeah the bureaucracy like I was laughing with my wife uh, yesterday that uh in I won't name it but the place where I used to work they used to have a rule where you could only work from home one day a week <laughs> not anymore <laughs> this is the thing everybody works at home now and I'm just like the ridiculous rules that just anyway I could literally rant about this all day long so I'm not going to right we are here to talk about content marketing and also a woman mention like your upcoming conference and the media planner which I'm super excited about um so let's first of all start with content marketing how can indie authors uh, or even entrepreneurs use content marketing to help sell their books their products their services okay so this is like I suppose it's like the golden golden question so the key thing um are we talking are we talking fiction and non-fiction at the moment because it's probably a slightly different um way that there I is yeah, and so one of the later questions I'm going to ask you is about that differentiation because I know that I find content marketing for my non-fiction easy. I find it really hard for my fiction. Yeah. So if we if we talk more, I guess on like I guess global principles rather yeah. than um, going, and then I'll I'll ask about the specifics in a bit. Yeah. So I think the key thing for me it feels like the most natural thing in the world, and I think it's because I've tried to think about this. It's because I worked on a newspaper and and so so everything we wouldn't publish anything without it being really clear that this is ideal for your audience and this is what they want to, to hear and obviously with things being online now you're getting that real-time feedback about whether it really is what they want to hear which is which is great um so the key thing is it's not about you so a lot of people when they're creating blog content they think people want to read all stuff about them and actually you know unless you're like I don't know, really super famous, uh, people don't actually care that much. And I think the thing is to just remember that people are selfish, basically, and they are just searching for stuff online to help them solve their problems. Um, so that's where I always start. So when I'm whether I'm working with a product based business owner or a service based business owner, I always say everything's a product. So it doesn't matter whether you're marketing a book or whether you're marketing um, a service it's the same principle like who are my audience and what are their problems and how does my product solve their problems so um so with books obviously I totally hear what you're saying about like with um you know non-fiction so like my book about press press I still get people buying it all the time from like a few key blog posts which are like on the first page of google how do I write a press release for my small business how do I you know so it's just basically what are your people searching for but writing in the language that they're using rather than you know what you kind of want to say um and I think when it comes to fiction it is thinking about who your your readers are so um and it, and it is just really understanding your audience and, and what they what the, what they're going to be looking for so the way I would think about it is I would just think about your genre so if, if you're a, you know a fantasy author or if you're a uh, romantic uh, fiction author whatever it is like who are your audience and like what are they interested in so I you know I don't get as much time to read now as I used to but I mean I was like a massive reader when I was younger and I was always just looking for the next book and I was just looking for so if I found an author that I really liked I was just looking for other books you know so one of my favorite authors is I'm just about to oh, Douglas Kennedy is one of my favorite authors so I would be looking for stuff like you know has he got a new book coming out or uh, other authors that might be like Douglas Kennedy that I really like or you know um if I just read a book 
you know, really great book on whatever it might be, like what else was there out there for me to read? So that might not be true for your, if you're listening and you're an author and that might not be true, but it's just understanding your audience. It's a lot of, um, I, I find, especially with self-published authors, that a lot of um, people who follow you, they also secretly want to publish a book um, and they, they want to know with writers. I mean, I'm obsessed with other people's writing routines as well, but they, I think a lot of readers are, are actually often, um, they, they really want to write as well and they love knowing about your um, your writing habits, any tips that you've got about the process. Um, I worked with a, an author um, a few years ago who um, she had these like series of um, romance. They were like romantic fiction and they were all set, like they were like Scandi set. And, and people were just obsessed with the characters and they were obsessed with behind the scenes and like, how did she come up with the characters and the plots and things like that. So, so that will vary um, depending on the genre, depending on what you write, but it all just comes back to this thing is like, who are my audience and what are they searching for online? And I need, if you want people to find you online, you have to create that content does that kind of make sense yeah absolutely like it's just and this is this is the interesting thing because I think a lot of people want to do content marketing and um, it's very logical and easy in terms of the non-fiction because you're answering questions or solving problems but when it comes to the fiction I feel like there are a lot of barriers like mindset barriers to um, doing fiction content marketing even I have them and I have a stack of ideas about how to do fiction fiction well stack of stuff that I want to do for fictional content marketing and I'm still it's like it's just get over yourself Sasha just get on with it you know Um, but yeah so like absolutely I think um you know trying to reach out to a group of your readers and seeing you know what they want or what they search for and um I guess yeah like looking around so even just as you were talking it was jogging some ideas in my head you know if you write historical fiction you could write about you could collate the information that you've done as research and talk about Victorian I don't know dresses or you know the 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 words that they used or whatever you know because if people are reading historical fiction they're probably going to be interested in that time period and so it's Mm. thinking about what are your audience interested in you know like for young adult for example I write young adult fantasy books uh, at the moment they love uh, like the hype of everything so you know like merchandise or um, you know 10 other books if you like this book you'll like that book or you know you're getting being being at, at, at you know and all the tropes like talking about the tropes and books that are in tropes and stuff so yeah I'm like oh I need to re- re-listen to this and write down all the ideas anyway um okay so what what are the biggest mistakes that you see people making with content marketing well I think we we touched on it on it there and it really is about making it all about you so if you're an author you probably think that everybody wants to know all about you um and they they probably do once they've got to know you but the thing is to think about is that I always say that there's like three sections to your audience. So you've got your hot audience, your hot, hot audience who are already your author, uh, your your readers, and they they love your books. And you know, so, so they'll sign up to your newsletter and they, they'll want to know all about you and what you're up to because they already love you. Then you've got like your warm audience who kind of might be, they might kind of know about you, but maybe they haven't bought a book yet. Or, you know, maybe they're just kind of thinking about it. They've heard about you, sort of aware of you. And then you've got your cold audience. And the thing is, you need to be working on, putting content that is designed for all of those people really um so that you're always bringing new people into your world so if you're only ever creating like blog posts about you like yeah your your um or newsletters your your 
current readers will love that and they want to know more about you and they want to you know but you're the people who don't know about you yet like what are you going to create for those people um and how are you going to get them into your world and they don't know about you they don't care about you so so that's the biggest mistake i think people it's it's like navel gazing basically um and sort of thinking that everybody's just really interested in you um so it's about just stepping outside of that and thinking well if i want to attract more readers you know like the people that i've got who are already my super fans basically like you you know and, and so you know it could be like five people who are your super fans it doesn't have to be like you know massive but how wh what would i need to do and and it can be about like actually i think you mentioned it earlier just actually can you have a few zoom calls with them talk to them about you know how did you find me like what what were you searching for like wh who else were you following because the other thing as well is you can piggyback on um so you can either look at your competitors or people who are just above you in your space and you could create content where you mention their name <laughs> and people and people go to um you know they, they go to a blog post to find a piece of content where you're mentioning this bigger author um and then they find out about you and they're really happy because they like that author and you're the same and so 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 i think that the the biggest thing is is just navel gazing and making it all about you instead of thinking about your audience does does that kind of make sense yeah definitely i i couldn't agree uh oh, <clears throat> i couldn't agree more um so I, I think we've, we've, we've kind of covered the nonfiction uh, fiction split. So instead of asking you about that, I'm going to throw a question at you. Um, you are a fucking machine. Uh, so like, I have, I, I, like, I spend obviously a lot of time listening to podcasts and like reading blogs and all this kind of stuff. But you, like you, you do an email every morning, like you, you have content everywhere. So how, I mean, obviously, like we are, I'm sure we are all capable of building up over time but like what how have you got to the the point where you can create so much so constantly like I guess without burnout or like are there habits or routines that you've put in place like how is it you generate so much well, I think the first thing that I always say because people are oh, you just create so much content is that you know that was my job for like 20 years is creating content so and I, I write really quickly so I I can but they laugh at me and my team because they're like oh I'm just going to write this email and then like five minutes later I'm like I've just written this email but not always I'm not saying I never ever get stuck on things but I'm just I'm quite quick but this is experience it's just because I've been mm -hmm. doing it for so long um and that's like with anything um but I was on a panel yesterday it was quite funny I was on this um I was invited to speak at this online thing yesterday and they had all these like writers on it and um so they were saying like what are your writing processes where do you get your ideas and everyone was like oh I go to a cafe like in, in those days when we're allowed to go to a cafe uh, and yeah, just, what is that now conversations <laughs> and whatever um and and you know I have a notebook that I carry and I wake up in the middle of the night and I was just like okay this is what I do and then I wrote about this in my daily email today which is another thing um so I said um well I look at what I'm selling. So I just look at the products or services I'm selling and when I'm selling them. And I think, okay, so I've got this event coming up in November, 2021 sorted. It's all about content planning. So I need to create content that's gonna be for those three types of people. So I need to create content for people who uh, don't know about me, but they are interested in content planning. And I need to do that a bit earlier because they need some time to find me and then get to know, like, and trust me. I need to create people who are like in my circle now, but maybe they, um, but maybe they, uh, they're not sure and they need to, I call it consideration content. So they need to, um, they need me to kind of reassure them or address their objections. I need to create people for content where people have already bought a ticket and they, they need some guidance on how to get the best out of it. So I'm very sort of, um, so, so yeah, the, so when I was at this event, I kind of thought, God, I sound so hard nosed. Like I sound 
like really hard nosed because everyone's like, oh, I got all these like, lovely ideas and whatever. And I was like, oh yeah, I just look at what I'm selling and then I just work it back. And then because I'm from a journalistic background, I'm always thinking about lead time. So I think, well, okay, I need to create that this many months out and that, you know, so, so, um, so it, it is probably having a strategy. I'm really not a very organized person and I don't, I'm not one of these people that is like had it all done like have, has it all done like months and months ahead I, and I'm much better actually being a bit more spontaneous but I think if you have a strategy that's you know if you have a strategy and you, I've always got like I know what podcast episodes are going out like eight, eight weeks time I might not create them until two days before but I've thought about the strategy and I've thought about what I want to do so that part of it becomes easy because I'm not having to worry about ideas because they're directed by what I'm selling but the other thing for me is just I just write about what I know so I send out this daily email and it's just it's like therapy so you know someone sends me a nasty email I turn it into content I have a a motto I have like a mug that's got everything is a content opportunity but you know someone sends me a nasty trolley email I turn it into content if somebody um um, you know, I, I decided actually I was feeling a bit burnt out at the weekend and I decided that I was just going to send my daily email Monday to Friday because I've just got such a busy quarter. But I just turned it into content. Uh, so so I think I think the thing with content is it, it's being strategic, but then also being giving yourself the space to be spontaneous and just write things when they come up. But also everybody's different as well. I wouldn't like to say that my way is the right way because we're all different, aren't we? And we have to work within our kind of strengths and weaknesses if that kind of makes sense yeah it does and I love it so much Uh, there's a couple of things I'm gonna come back on the first one is obviously I've been listening to your podcast and I absolutely love that everything is a content opportunity and like I I, I never nobody's ever said that to me and as soon as you said it, it was like a mindset shift for me I was like oh fuck like of course it is like obviously and so now like every everything I do in the day I'm like oh could this be an idea like so now I'm like writing everything down as they're all um like ideas and even things like I think there was something I I think you just mentioned it here but uh, or actually earlier on you were saying um that uh people I mean, people ask me stuff every single day. I get questions constantly, which is fantastic because I'm like, I one of my favorite things to do is to help people and to like give back to the community because I received so much help. And so I'm like, well, I, you know, I want to give back what I, what I did, but what I'm not doing is capitalizing on that. So I'm getting asked questions and I'm responding to them and it's half a blog post, you know, or it's half a podcast. I could do a mini solo episode. And, and something that you said is like, well, actually, you know, even all like giving, um the people that are asking you the questions you can turn that into content that will actually help more than just that person so I've um in the last couple of weeks now been writing down lots of things that people are asking me because I can then create content for that um the other thing I was going to say uh is yeah the troll thing is hilarious I I got a troll email this morning and I like haven't I don't have a brain apparently which I found hilarious um but I haven't ever turned those into content but I might have to like I'll, I'll be very careful about it but anyway the the other thing that I was going to say is um I wanted to talk about shame because um a lot of I think this it's harder for women more so than men to sell and to be proud of selling and I just think it's such an absolutely genius way of 
like strategizing and structuring your year. Um, and I remember listening to one of your podcasts where you were like, I think you said, if you don't know what you're going to be selling in a year's time, you don't have a business. And like, I know what I'm going to be selling. I just, I just don't know the, ex like, I know all of the things I'm going to do next year, but not the dates. And I was like, why, why am I not just putting dates on this and then working back and, and structuring the content before that? And, and I don't know why there's so much shame around this, like selling and selling as a woman. Like I'm proud of everything that I've done and created but I think society as a whole does like to to shame women for having that mindset and for having that sort of entrepreneurial um but fuck them so yeah let's move on <laughs> <laughs> well the other thing I was going to say which kind of leads into the shame thing as well is that um the other thing is like not being afraid to talk about your personal life but obviously in a way that's curated like you decide you don't have to share it because when I say that people are like oh but I don't want to share but you don't have to share everything like I appear to, to share everything but actually mm -hmm. it's very curated there's lots of things I would never talk about and wouldn't ever you know I've made a decision that I'm going to talk about those particular issues but mm -hmm. the thing is I think like people imagine that because it's business content this is the thing people just get really boring so like so they have to write a post about their business or their book or whatever and suddenly they just turn into the most boring person in the world when you were talking to them five minutes ago and they were really interesting and really fun and then you ask them to write something or create a video about their business so I always say to people with content as well as like if you think about the things that do really well on your personal Facebook page so that thing that you write about that person that really annoyed you in the queue at the supermarket or you know I, there's a thing that I always mention about like me and my husband have this row about the hoover and like we have a cordless hoover and we have a row about it practically every day about I say the hoover's hoover shit it's good because I can I can swear on this podcast um it's hoover shit and then and then he says it's not and then he says it's my technique and and so I remember just sharing this little story and oh my god the number of people that have an opinion about what hoover to buy you would not believe and i think it's that sort of hoover philosophy that you need to take into your content that people are actually really nosy they're curious they i sort of said you know earlier oh people aren't interested in in you there's a kind of split in the content so if they don't know about you and they're searching online they don't care about you once people are in your world and they care about you they are far more interested in you know hearing about just getting your hair blow dry before you did the podcast or they're much, they're much more interested in seeing pictures of your new kittens uh and so so not being afraid I think to let people inside your world and also talk about the hard things like I I um I often talk about hard the, the, the difficult things like I, I posted something earlier in the week about about imposter syndrome and I, I, I talked about how I used to say I didn't believe in imposter syndrome and people were just being lazy and they were just it was an excuse um and so and that's the other thing is being an opinionated you know people do do resonate with that but how I'd realized that actually I I suffered from it and I gave an example of some of the shame that I felt and and some things you know I was like basically I'm an idiot because I I, I said this and and look I do have imposter syndrome and this is how and I gave some examples but Anytime I share anything where I am honest about the fact that sometimes I get tired, sometimes I get burnt out, that I'm not always, you know, I think it's giving people like the chance to connect with you emotionally. And I think if you're just this like person who just seems this perfect person who never makes mistakes and never gets things wrong and, you know, that can make people, it can make people really hard to connect with you. And I think a lot of the content that I see online, it's just like, you know, it's like, like, why would I care about that? Because it's just nothing and I think it's trying to bring the spirit of you know when you post something on your Facebook wall and you get loads of comments it's like what that's it because you know social media is 
friends and family isn't it that's that's what you should, that, that's what and I think a lot of people are just so self-conscious about it mm. but that's usually the bit that helps you make sales because people buy from people that they like you know yeah yeah I completely agree I, I love this so much because um one finding your voice is like this mythological holy grail for authors and I'm like no guys it's really easy just you know be you but also with with the marketing people often curate themselves rather than letting themselves be themselves and I and I always like to you know say yes okay we do have slightly more professional voices on podcasts or we do you know when we're doing a um a live or whatever we are ourselves but like injected with steroids because you know we we you know when you are your best self and your most self that's when people I think can can connect with you um but yeah I love that and so if people take but one thing from this podcast it's to go away and be your best self because mm. people will love you more when you are yourself and this is like this was a lesson um I learned a really hard way because in my old corporate job uh, they told me uh, they crushed me because they told me that my personality was a risk to my reputation and my personality is my fucking reputation mm. like <laughs> like uh, and that is who I've become I've become like the, the most myself that I can possibly be and and I'm so proud of the fact that now my business is so is is because I'm a rebel and because you know like so yeah like screw them don't listen to anybody that says you you have to be a certain way or be a certain person people what, like the what real was it you. That they, I'm really curious what was it that they felt was a risk about your personality to your reputation I, I have no idea this person like basically they said that I didn't fit the mold and I wasn't because I wouldn't play the the corporate game and wouldn't pay the politics um that I didn't fit and I would never get any more senior that was something else I was told I would never get any more senior and it's because um I would talk to managers the same way I would talk to my staff because managers are human and so are my staff and and like I remember a very senior director like the second in command in the whole organization basically turning around to me and going you really don't change do you 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 talk to everybody the same way whether you're in work in the pub and I'm like yeah because that is me and why should I censor myself or you know like what is this nonsense where you have to be a different person in one room to another room like being being a different person isn't going to make me do my job any better being me is going to make me do my job well and yeah they they just they they hated me because of that because I wouldn't you know oh I so here's an example they told me I didn't dress corporately enough so do you know what I did I went to work in leggings and converse trainer the next day yeah. and I never wore anything else because yeah. I was like what the like wearing a suit is not gonna make me do my job better like what nonsense so yeah it's just a load of tosh basically um okay let's can you talk about content repurposing a little bit because um I think it's a con like when people start thinking about content marketing they get very overwhelmed at, at the prospect of having to produce so much but I don't think that's the case you can be clever and strategic if you repurpose your content but how much of your content is re repurposable like do people get annoyed with seeing the same stuff in different places like yeah I guess talk a little bit about how you can do repurposing effectively yeah I think this comes back to this whole thing that this can be a big mind shift is like 
people aren't obsessed with you <laughs> and so I think people have this idea that like people are looking at everything that you post and they're like oh my gosh Sasha, Sasha just posted that thing on Twitter and I saw it on LinkedIn as well oh my god this is awful you know I think we just have to crack on that people are just getting on with their own lives and they don't actually care that much about us until something something shows up in their feed that they do care about um so they're not counting how many you know how many posts you've done so I will quite often for example post exactly the same post on LinkedIn Instagram Twitter whatever uh, maybe with a slight tweak for the platform because sometimes you find that the platform's slightly different and you might need to just word it slightly different um so I do a lot of repurposing and the way that I encourage people and this is what we do at um 2021 sorted so somebody sent me a message actually yesterday about this content planning event and she's like I don't get it how how is it possible that I could plan a year's worth of content in 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 this kind of day and I was like well so so the way I look at it is if you have like one key thing you did a week so if you've got a, a book or a product whatever it is and you're like okay I'm going to put out one key piece of content a week it might be a blog it might be a podcast it might be YouTube it doesn't even have to be once a week actually it could you know if if every fortnight is all you can manage great as long as you do it consistently but if you were just to sit down across the year and come up with 20 you know 25 ideas 50 ideas or whatever and you just put those on your calendar and you think about what we talked about earlier like well I'm going to be launching this I'm going to be launching that or this is coming up or I'm doing this event you know and it doesn't ha- you don't have to stay- stick with it that's the other thing as well I think some personalities find it quite hard because they're like does- that means I have to do it no you don't you can move it around a little bit but starting off with a plan of some sort is you know it's much easier to tweak something than have nothing no plan whatsoever um so that's how I look at it with people and in the class that's why I get people to look at their, their their annual content plan and I go right okay what are you doing and then they what they usually say is well I don't know and I said well look you know you, you have to know you you can't create your content plan if you, if you don't know what you're gonna be selling in your business it's a really cr- crucial thing so that was a little meow that was a that was a tigger that's tigger that just jumps on my lap <laughs> my new kitten um and um so and and then I just get people to break it down so like you know just in quarters like over that 12 weeks what would be good for you to create some content about and then from that weekly piece of content or you know if you can only manage every every other week months a month it's just sticking to something you can turn you know say you write a blog post you could turn that blog post into you know eight different social media posts uh you could turn it you you can take a blog post and just send it out as an email to your list um but it's only when you sit and plan ahead that you start to go oh okay I see I don't have to do it all all on the hoof the other thing is I do um the diary that I've got has got awareness days in it um and like when I was a journalist it's funny but you're not really allowed to use awareness days and cute dates because uh they're considered a bit kind of light unless they're like like proper things like miscarriage awareness week or or whatever you know but not like uh you know wear a hat day or um the chocolate cake day or whatever but actually because people are human and they they are not they're not always interested in serious stuff what you can do is you can just come up with like one idea for a week so I'm going to do one blog post a week and they're going to repurpose that into you know lots of different uh, social media posts just take the content and send it out on my newsletter the same thing maybe a shorter version and then you can just like pick out a couple of awareness dates and I mean some of my best pieces of content have been about the most stupid things like you know national pet day just say have you got a cat or a dog share a picture of your pet like people love that sort of thing um coffee you know coffee day like do you drink coffee or not? What's your favorite time of coffee? You'd be amazed. Like people will, um, I, I did one on, um, I think it was pizza day or something. And like, do you, do you think it's like wrong to put pineapple on a pizza? Honestly, yes, it's in. yes it's, it's definitely in. Like, wrong. I think it's, I think it's perfectly fine to put pineapple oh, on a pizza. Your reaction, your reaction says it all. Like, I mean, that, that would take me like about a minute to write that post, but LinkedIn, a, a serious platform. Yeah. I, love that sort of I once did a post on LinkedIn actually, where I said, 
um, where I just shared that I, <laughs> I said, um, what name do you give in Starbucks? You know, when they ask you to, to give a name, because I, I, I just, I, I make up a name because I don't like them to um, hollow my name around. So I just make up names. And then once I was saying I was behind a priest and I felt really guilty because I was Catholic and, I, and I, I was brought up Catholic, I was really guilty about the fact that I was lying next to a priest <laughs> making up a name. Um, and this post, I'm not joking, it went on for days and days and days on LinkedIn, supposedly serious platform. Um, and people they were either engaged with it because they made a name up to or they engaged with it because they thought it was silly or they engaged with it because they hate starbucks so they wanted to have pop at starbucks so either way there was something in that post for everyone and um people then will say well what's the point then if it's not about your business but of course social media in particular is all about algorithms so people just they they will start checking you out they'll check out your bio they'll find out more about you and i once had this um debate with a guy actually I posted a video of me playing the piano and singing I had this like, funny story um I won't go into it now but I, I posted a picture of me playing the piano and singing and this guy was just like I don't get this like why on earth would you share this like I like the video but like you're you're an audience like growth specialist like why on earth would you post this video of you and I was like well you know that I'm an audience that I, I help people build online audiences now because I posted that video like you've just basically you know because you know you obviously went uh, you saw this video of me no he said something like I thought you were a singing teacher um and 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 now I go to your profile and find out that you're not and you do this instead and I was like well you've you know like what's the point of this piece of content well you now know what I do and you now you're now interested you're engaging with me so I think um I think the thing with the con obviously I've kind of gone off off track a little bit there but the just having one piece of content, like one useful piece of content, and then just punctuating it with maybe a couple of little um, lighthearted posts just for engagement, that can be your plan. And I think if you're really serious about your marketing, you know, if you can't commit to one piece of content a week or maybe even every other week, whatever, you know, and just stick to that, then you've got to ask yourself. I'm trying to think of a diplomatic way to put it. But Don't be diplomatic. <laughs> We're not diplomatic here. You know, if you're not getting, if you're not selling enough, you just, that's what you deserve. You know, basically, yeah. if you're not willing to commit to, to, to putting this content out um, and doing it regularly, then, you know, you, you, you get what you, you put in basically that is yeah one of what, saying it. <laughs> we're not diplomatic here one of my favorite phrases is like suck it up princess like yeah. go do the thing you know um in fact I even have merchandise with suck it up princess on <laughs> because I say it that often yeah. um even though it's not a very feminist phrase but whatever um <laughs> what was it so you kind of led into actually um I was listening to one of your podcasts where you talk about the four different types of content so I don't know if you can just summarize uh the different type of content because this that actually even in and of itself itself gave me a load of ideas yeah so this is like a little framework that I, I give people to help um and now I have to try and remember them all um so um is this the different types of posts when I say this is what I know this is what I think yes this is, yeah that one um so the type of content like the blog content the sort of useful answering people's questions is um I need to know this content so that's when people are like I really need to know how to publish a fantasy book or I really need to know like how to um how to get my book onto uh, Amazon? Uh, I you know what I mean. You know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so that's kind of like useful stuff. Now, the challenge with that kind of content is that it's really useful, but people will just see it and they'll be like, "Oh, great! I'll listen to that <laughs> later," um, and they won't necessarily comment on it. And as we've already discussed, it's all about the algorithm. So, the more engagement you get, 
the more that platform will show your content to other people. So you have to sometimes be a little bit clever about how you approach sharing that kind of content, but by all means, create it. And um, the second type of content is really what I was just referring to there, which is um, I know about this. So the reason that things like, like one of my best performing social media posts was when I was in the hairdressers in this like trendy place in Shoreditch and um, there were all these like dogs running around. And I was in this hairdresser and I was thinking like, I'm not that keen on dogs. Like, I'm okay with this, but like, some people who have dogs will love this. Some people who don't, you know, who don't hate dogs will absolutely hate this. I, I wonder whether this is a good idea. And I just literally posted on my Facebook page, I'm in the hairdressers and there's dogs running around the place. What do you think? Dogs in hairdressers, yay or nay? And I came out the hairdressers and I had hundreds, over a hundred comments on that. So it's about like just asking questions, like really simple things that I call them like two tap answers where you people don't have to think they've got no fear of embarrassing themselves it's just a or b yes or no agree or disagree just easy as possible um so that's the second type and that can be really great just for engagement and giving the algorithm a boost then we've got um this is um so the other type is um this is what i think so this is a more opinionated content i think this is important that people see you as someone that has opinions although i, I think it can be a bit scary <laughs> i haven't done it before because i've been writing for years i'm quite used to it but just for example a little tweak that you can make so there was a post that um a little while ago i um there was a news story came out and it said that people who work for virgin flight attendants no longer it was no longer compulsory for virgin flight attendants to wear makeup on flights so I saw that and I saw a couple of people who just shared the link on this bad thing just sharing link so just sharing the link and then people were like mm, yeah okay nobody responded so I just put my little spin on it and I just said do you know what like I saw this and I think first of all I didn't know that they they had to wear makeup anyway that was quite interesting itself but I was like do you know what you know I, I think this is good and I don't think any woman should ever feel that she has to wear makeup for her job but when I'm on a long haul flight and like I, I wake up like I kind of like the fact they look a lot better than me and like you know if the flight attendant looks worse than me like I don't know if I like that I think I like the fact that they wear makeup I like them the fact that men have got spray tans on or whatever so I just it was just I took the story I just I just gave my opinion on it but of course it was divisive so you know some people thought it was an appalling thing to say um and they had an opinion about it um so even just about you know in your industry if you're an author if you've got an opinion about you know about anything like you know I often talk about in my industry how there's just so much rubbish out there about you know oh you can get a six-figure business in five minutes and you know by this course you know it takes a long time to build an audience and you have to work hard and like you know anything anyone who says otherwise is just lying but just having opinions about stuff that's happening in your sector so that's this is what I think that can really help position you and it gets tons of engagement but you do have to be a little bit brave sometimes and then the last one is I know how that feels and that's when you're more vulnerable and when you share things about, you know, so um, you mentioned earlier, Sasha, about, um, you know, being at the point of having a nervous breakdown. People can really relate to that kind of stuff because even if it hasn't happened to them, they usually know somebody who has happened to who's close to them. So when I've shared stuff about, so I've shared a lot of stuff about miscarriage, um, having ectopic pregnancy, I had a very premature baby. Um, I did something about breastfeeding recently, which has nothing to do with my business. And the pressure that I had to breastfeed, you know, as, with a really sick, you know, premature baby. And oh my God, like the, it's, it's a bit off topic it doesn't do you any harm because people are seeing you as a person and they're engaging. Um, so anything that's kind of where you can relate a personal story and oh my God, if I was on commission, so I shared recently, I was diagnosed with um, ADHD at the age of 45 and I shared 
I shared, you know, my story and I talked about what had led me to to go for the diagnosis and like how it made me feel to kind of feel different all of my life, whatever. I have had so I had so much engagement. I, I wrote about it. And I've also I could probably be on commission for the number of people who've come back and told me they've now been diagnosed with ADHD, ADHD as a result of me sharing that. Um, and um, I just think, you know, just, just other people can relate to you just being vulnerable and just saying my life's not perfect. So so it's that kind of thing. So that those four types of posts or piece of content could give you a framework and you could get a lot of content out of that amazing thank you yeah I I it was a bit of an epiphany and I had to like stop the podcast and rewind in order to write them all down when you were when you were talking about it and I think I I think I've I'd sort of been doing that but not in such a clear and concise way so um yeah uh so a last couple of questions then because I realize we are getting to time um the first one is every year I have a theme for the year for my own work uh, this year it was finishing shit because I'd started a load of things and not got anything finished and had shiny magpie syndrome and so I had to finish everything but next year um, I picked this a while ago my theme is content creation there's a few reasons for that but um, that's what my theme is going to be so I purchased one of your media planners because I am super excited I watched some of the videos and thought oh my god I need this in my life um, so can you tell everyone a little bit about your planner and maybe like how the um how the uh the planner will help them give them a couple of like key tips to how to plan out their content more effectively yeah so the planner is um it's an a4 desk diary that you can use to plan out your content for the coming year um it has awareness days and key dates like just to give you ideas i gave you some examples before of how you might use them um but it i often say it's not just a diary it's like a planning tool and it has templates in it. So it comes with instructions and it's got so like a, an annual plan and then it's got a quarterly plan and then you can break it right down to monthly, daily and weekly. But the one thing I always say as well is, you know, I, I've got a video that I'm using in my marketing at the moment from a guy who said, I use 20% of your planner, but it gets me 80% of the results in my business. Like there's no like right way to use it. Um, and I think sometimes one objection I have to address every year is people who go oh but you know I bought it last year and and I and I didn't use it in you know I didn't write in every inch of it you don't have to do that it's a resource to help you for me I use it really strategically and I just use it to kind of plan ahead and I use the templates a lot and I use the um awareness days as a as a kind of reference point other people write in every bit which is absolutely fine you know we're all different um so it really is about kind of giving you that kind of structure um and it comes with so so I've got this event which you're speaking at which is really really exciting so I run a content planning event every year and so last year it was 2020 sorted this year it's 2021 sorted and next year it will be 2022 sorted and the so what I found with the diary when I first started selling it is that some people would buy the diary and they'd be like oh but I didn't use it that much so being an entrepreneur I was like right okay how do I solve this problem um because I can't physically go around and make you <laughs> make you use it um and so there's a membership that goes aside it's it's the 2021 sorted club and you get the event with it as well this uh, this year so so there's quarterly coaching calls um so so basically you can do your annual plan and then you've got this accountability to come back every quarter with other people who are at the event and you can you can plan out your year um it, i also send an email every monday so it's like um with ideas on how to use the dates in the diary and actually this year i'm going to send pretty much cut and paste stuff that people could just slightly tweak for their own platform um it, there's loads of downloadables and principles i've got another 
content planning masterclass that I'm doing that comes with it as well, which is on content batching. So it's really what you were asking about before, you know, trying to get the most bang for your buck, as it were. Um, and the event kicks it all off. So the 2021 sorted event, which you're speaking at, kicks it all off. Uh, we always say day one, which you're speaking on, is the inspiration day. It always is. Obviously, we've had to move online this year because of um, COVID, which has presented some new challenges. But it means I've been able to bring on board loads of new speakers, which is brilliant. Um, and we are... Um, so the first day is about inspiration. Um, so you're doing a session on how to uh, self-publish your own book. Then we've got a session on how to launch a membership site, one on how to launch an online course, one on how to um, uh, launch a YouTube channel, one on how to launch a live video. And if you're interested in marketing, I can't believe that there wouldn't be one, at least one of those that you're like, I'm all over that. I, you know, I've got, a, it's about a big content goal. But what I've also been able to do this year is to, um, I feel like, and we touched on it earlier, but in the entrepreneur space, there's a lot of topics where, like we just don't get enough of a chance to talk about them. And if we were in person, we would. So things like you know, dealing with trolls and copycats or dealing with um, mental health as an entrepreneur. Um, we've got another session on being more diverse in your marketing. Um, so we've got people talking about different aspects of that and being much more aware of diversity um, because I think we've all got unconscious biases and, and so, so that's, that's going to be a good session. So they're more kind of discussion sessions. And then day two is a kind of full on planning, come and create your content plan. Let's get it done in a day. Uh, so, so yeah, so the diary kind of started off, it was a thing. Um, and then um, I created the event and the club to, to support people to use it. Cause I realized that just having the diary on its own, that's great. Some people are brilliant with that, but some people just need the accountability to kind of keep, keep, keep on with it. And I think it's really interesting that people are like, oh, but I didn't write in all of it. And I'm like, but I'm buying it with even knowing I'm not going to write in all of it. We're like, that's not why I'm buying it. I'm buying it as just the, the the nudge I need to structure my thinking around like next year. So I think people probably might be a bit too uptight. But anyway, um, do you want to tell everyone where they can find out more about the planner and the, the conference? Yeah, so if you head over to my website, janetmurray.co.uk, um, so the 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 events at 2021sortjanetmurray.co.uk slash 2021sorted. And even if you're listening to this after the events happened, you get all the recordings. So, and you get all of the classes and the support through 2021. So don't feel like you've missed out. Like if this, if you're like, oh God, I would have loved to go to that. You can have all the recordings. You get all of the support through the following year um so you will still really really benefit um and the diary is i'm trying to remember the url now <laughs> just go to my website and put you know janet robbie 2021 media media diary i think it is yeah it's on, yeah it's on the on the home page yeah and i'll leave links as well in the show notes of course um all right one very quick question top tools any tools that you use that you would recommend that people can go and check out uh, uh so um <sighs> This was a patron question. I'm a big fan of captions. Okay, so I'm a big fan of captions. So I think if you're doing a video, there's no point in doing it unless you put captions on it. Obviously, from access accessibility point of view, but also because most people have got their phone turned down. So I use this brilliant tool called Capwing, which is just amazing at putting just putting captions onto short little social media videos videos really quickly so that's one of my favorites we're getting really into asana at the moment so i've got i've hired somebody to help us use asana to create build out all the systems and processes in my business um and we'll get into that as well so that's cool and that's cap as in wearing a cap and then wings as like an angel wing or it's with a k so it's k-a-p-w-i-n-g okay Awesome. I will also put that in the show notes. All right. This is my favorite question. This is the Rebel Author Podcast. So tell us about a time you unleashed your inner rebel. 
Well, we had a chat about this before because I was like, I don't think I'm that rebellious, really. Um, you I think are so rebellious. <laughs> I think everything I do is rebellious. And I said, like, oh, you know, I, I can't hold down a job. I can't, like, do what other people do. Like, I'm not I'm not a, a, a very conventional mum either. I don't think um, my daughter would probably concur with that. Um, but, um, and I was sort of saying that, you know, if I'm somewhere where the directions tell me I have to go one way, I'll go the other way or whatever, if I feel confined or restricted in any way. But I think for me, actually, probably... Um, the ADHD thing so talking it was a bit that's probably the only time I felt a little bit nervous about talking about anything personal because and it did feel a bit rebellious for me because like my parents are really quite conservative and I, I it's probably the only time I've ever really worried about upsetting them because um they were like a bit like oh like you know we thought you were a normal kid and like now you're telling us you've got this like ADHD thing so to actually kind of talk about it openly feels a little bit rebellious and knowing that there's probably some people who are probably laughing behind my back and probably like oh look at her like you know with a stupid ADHD thing because uh, people can be quite ignorant about these things um mm. so that actually felt like quite a rebellious thing for me to do which probably sounds silly with some of the other things that I've shared but it's probably the most out of my comfort zone thing that I've done I love that and you know, I would have thought that that would just make people more like more like love you more because, you know, you're sharing a, a piece of you that's made you made you vulnerable. And I, I you know, I think that being vulnerable is something that uh, I know I appreciate when I hear or listen to podcasts or read posts or whatever, when people are sharing a piece of them that, that, that makes them vulnerable. Mm. OK, tell listeners where they can find out more about you, uh, your books, your services and your podcast. So the best place to find is janetmarie.co.uk um online um i'm pretty active where i am and what would be really great actually is if you've enjoyed this podcast if you could tag both me and sasha in um and um you could um just say that you listened it and enjoyed it that's always really nice um and yeah that's pretty much that's pretty much it and obviously do come and if, if you're a sasha fan come and come and hear her speak at 2021 sorted she's going to be doing a fab session on on self-publishing so we're really looking forward to that and yeah that's pretty much it I think I'm everywhere (laughs) (laughs) I have I took all your links so I will drop them into the into the show notes thank you so much for your time today thank you for having me it's been really great great fun I've loved it thank you and great questions because you know you you go on podcasts and yeah really good questions no thank you Um, And thank you also to all of the show's patrons. If you would like to get early access to all of the episodes, then you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. Thank you also to everybody listening. I'm Sasha Black. You are listening to Janet Murray. And this was the Rebel Author Podcast. Next week, I will be joined by Jeff Elkins, who I think I told you we were going to be joined by this week, but Sasha messed up her schedule last week. So yes, we are going to be joined by Jeff Elkins, also known as the Dialogue Doctor. So we will be obviously talking all about dialogue next week. So join me then. And don't forget, if you do have a moment, please do leave a review of the show. I really appreciate it. And it does help to tickle those algorithms. Don't forget to tune in and subscribe on your podcatcher. And when you have a moment, please leave a review.